Recently, from 2015 to 2021, the Secret Service managed over 160 criminal investigations involving cryptocurrency. If you don't have a strategy, you're part of someone else's strategy. We need to accept and embrace that the future has endless possibilities, and those possibilities are always in flux. Welcome to The Convergence, the Army's Mad Scientist podcast. I'm Matt Sanisbert of the Mad Scientist team, and I'll be joined in just a moment by Luke Shabro, Deputy Director of Mad Scientist. Mad Scientist is a U.S. Army initiative that continually explores the future of warfare, challenges assumptions, and collaborates with academia, industry, and government. You can connect with us through Twitter, at ArmyMadSci, or subscribe to the blog, The Mad Scientist Laboratory, at madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil. On today's episode, we'll be talking with Robin Champ, Chief of the Enterprise Strategy Division within the U.S. Secret Service. Robin will be discussing women leading in national security, empowering diversity to think about the future, and how emerging technology and trends like cryptocurrency and cyber warfare will affect Secret Service missions. As always, the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Department of Defense, Department of the Army, Army Futures Command, or Training and Doctrine Command. Let's get started. Thanks for coming on, Robin. Thanks for having me. So we're really excited to have you here today. You've spent a majority of your life serving the nation in so many facets and in national security. How did you get here? How did you become a leader in foresight? I think it was all by accident. Sometimes you just fall into something. My undergraduate degree is in journalism with a specialty in advertising. And I thought I would work for a big Chicago ad agency doing commercials for large corporations like Coke during the Super Bowl. However, life took me in a different direction. I do think that having a creative writing and communications background did lay the foundation for out-of-the-box thinking needed for strategy and foresight work. And being able to clearly communicate a message is critical for writing a good strategic plan. All of the great strategies need to be communicated so the team can clearly understand the vision and the objectives needed to succeed. And with foresight, being able to write scenarios that can resonate with your audience is so important. And having those skills really helped me in my career. After graduating with my degree in advertising, I took a job in defense, which I thought would only last a couple of years. However, one thing led to another, and I found myself at the National Defense University getting a master's degree in national resource strategy. From there, I jumped into strategic planning, and one day someone asked me, hey, you know, what is this future stuff? And back in the early 2000s, this was a new area. And I searched all over defense. And uh, finally, I was pointed in the direction of the U.S. Coast Guard. And that kind of started my foresight career. I'm really grateful to the Coast Guard Project Evergreen Management, who took time to teach me all about scenario-based planning and how it worked for them over the years. And it really made sense to me. And after learning about Project Evergreen, I just couldn't imagine writing a strategy that wasn't informed by foresight. And so I knew I had to bring it back to my work at the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. Super interesting that you have a degree in creative writing communications. I think that's extremely helpful. Um, You know, we talk on this podcast so much about the importance of creativity and the importance of communication overall and how it can help solve so many problems. Um, So I want to ask, can you explain to our audience how you approach foresight? How is it different when doing it for a high-stakes government agency like the Secret Service? My approach to foresight, as with most things, is a focus on execution. So many people get together and talk in meetings, but when they go back to their offices, nothing changes. I'm all about change. What are we going to do to position ourselves better in the future? 
This is even more important for organizations with critical no-fail missions. That is why at Secret Service, the Foresight Office is co-located in my division with strategy. Because in order to capitalize on foresight, it needs to inform your strategy and then be executed, measured, and managed. I think that the co-location of those programs makes a lot of sense in how you think about the strategy, how you think about the future. And if you're not including that, then you're really missing a big piece. Can you tell us about anything you're working on right now? Sure. Uh, right now in the Secret Service, we have a very robust foresight program. Some of the things we work on year-round include a newsletter, which we call the Future Post, a speaker series where we bring in subject matter experts to discuss areas of the future that would be of interest to the Secret Service mission set. And these have both been very well received at the service. For instance, our newsletter talks about future items of interest to the operational and mission support personnel. We also use the newsletter to share webinar and training opportunities and advertise our speaker series. Um, the speaker series has had uh, really incredible guest speakers, such as Dr. James Giordano of Georgetown University, Dr. Peter Singer, author of Ghost Fleet, Like War and Burn In, uh, Dr. Lonnie Love of Oak Ridge National Laboratory, disinformation expert Duan Lee, author and filmmaker Rick Beyer, and many others. Uh, we hold these once a month virtually, so personnel from around the globe can attend no matter their location. In addition to the newsletter and our speaker series, uh, this year we're working on our ramp-up activities for development of our next strategic plan. And so like most organizations, we're working on a strength, weakness, opportunity, threat analysis, stakeholder interviews, and of course, a big scenario-based planning exercise. And getting lots of folks from around the organization involved in these efforts helps bring diversity of thought into our planning. And that's really important. Yes, diversity of thought is paramount. Um, I mean, obviously, we at Mad Scientists feel that way. You've seen uh, some of the things that we've done and we've talked about. You have a, a figurative murderer's row of experts there that you listed off, some of which we've worked with before and had on this podcast. Um, others we haven't, but now I'm going to have to look into and, and see if we can get on. Uh, so, so, Robin, you're truly a leader in the national security community, and you've been in this business for many years. What are some of the challenges you've faced as a female leader in national security? Have you seen the community change over time, or are we still dealing with the same issues? I have to say we've come a long way. I started my career in 1990, and I remember back then there were men in the office who would invite women to sit on their laps during meetings. And then, you know, of course, most of us remember Tailhook in 1991. So I think there has been significant improvements. No one would ever ask a woman to sit on their lap in the office in the year 2021. And I'm especially proud to be part of the Secret Service and their emphasis on diversity. In fact, most recently, our special agent graduating class was majority female. And the head of our Office of Protective Operations is also female. And so I, I just want to really encourage everyone to examine their senior leadership and staff makeup and look not only for the role of women, but think about diversity as a whole. You know, how well does your organization walk the talk of diversity and inclusion at all levels? You know, as we look to the future, it is critical we create and nurture diverse organizations and instill this as part of our culture. I think that's a really important point because we can't just... Uh 
say that we're about diversity. Um, we've had Dr. Rita Konaev came on um, and we talked about, you know, lack of diversity as a national security issue, as uh, something that we're going to get caught in our blind side. Um, because if we're overly homogenous and we have the same people, the same experiences, we're not going to get that different thought, uh, the, the diversity in thought that we want to. So I think that that's really, really important. You know, we we have a wide range of listeners, military members, academics, students, civilians, all, all types, even from across the globe. What do you think they need to be more aware of when thinking about the future? You know, I would say uh, when thinking about the future and thinking about the trends, we need to understand that trends are here now. They're already here and they will only be a trend until a disruption occurs. So we need to look for signals of change and prepare for uncertainty. We need to accept and embrace that the future has endless possibilities, and those possibilities are always in flux. So planning just for one likely future can leave you ill-prepared for a surprise. And if 2020 taught us anything, it is that there are many surprises out there. Intelligence predictions and and super forecasting, these are better in the near term. The farther out in the future you look, the less and less accurate your forecasts become. That is why foresight is so critical. And it starts with accepting that the future is uncertain. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, we, we, we track a lot of trends um, in the G2 and, and at Mad Scientists. Um, and we sort, of, we sort of look at them as if that's what's going to happen. We don't kind of think about where's the end of this trend. And really, you, you, know, you hit the nail on the head there. It's disruption. Disruption is going to end that. How do you predict that? How do you look at that? How do you prepare for it? And like you said there, surprise is imminent. You, you can't always predict the surprise, but at least you can be resilient towards it. Uh, so I think there's some really great points. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Secret Service a little bit. So sometimes people overlook the fact that in addition to protecting elected officials and their families, the Secret Service is also responsible for criminal investigations, uh, especially counterfeiting. How do you think cryptocurrency, blockchain, and other emerging technologies will impact this mission? Yeah, so you're right. Our brand is usually associated with uh, the protection of our nation's leaders, but our original mission was to protect the U.S. currency from counterfeiters. Recently, from 2015 to 2021, the Secret Service managed over 160 criminal investigations involving cryptocurrency. And this resulted in 275 seizures with a value of $47 million. So while the criminal methods have evolved from just paper to include plastic and now digital means of exploitation, our investigative mission remains the same, which is protecting the financial infrastructure. And cryptocurrencies are definitely challenging as the technology remains novel in the broader landscape. And you know, criminals are committed to abusing any avenue possible to illicitly enrich themselves. You know, however, the Secret Service employs the proven approach of following the money and in order to make the most impact and disrupt to those criminal organizations. So we focus on tracking the facilitating services, exchanges, over-the-counter brokers, and unlicensed money services that criminals use to launder illicitly obtained funds. Emerging technologies have increased the opportunities for anonymity for criminal actors, but they've also provided us opportunities to trace illicit money movement in ways we couldn't do in years past. Key to this has been our increased recruiting and onboarding of a talented pool of analysts and agents equipped to combat this criminal activity, such as the criminal use of digital currencies. 
I think that's great that it segues to kind of another point that we're thinking about, um, which is the expansion of, as you said, cryptocurrency uh, and and kind of the threat vector that's increased over time uh, in cyber and other realms like that. So what is the Secret Service and its partners, because you're going to have to work with so many other people, what are you going to have to do in order to face that kind of disruptive future? Yeah, you know, the first word that comes to my mind is communication. We have to continue to increase communication with partners, like you said, and we know bad actors are collaborating more than ever to victimize Americans. The Secret Service already partners with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial law enforcement agencies on investigations and deconfliction. We also partner with foreign law enforcement on investigations to combat those who use virtual currencies to both commit and facilitate cyber-enabled crimes. And we have to continue to expand the footprint and reliance on assets beyond our shores as we are more globally connected and many of our complex criminal investigations are carried out by bad actors abroad. So we, we use this podcast to unearth new ideas or to unearth new experts or to you know discuss um, impacting technologies, emerging technologies. We also use it to connect people to different groups. So how can folks in the U.S. government learn more about Foresight and find other professionals with whom to network? As you know, I highly recommend folks join the Federal Foresight Community of Interest. The website is ffcoi.org. This is a free resource tailored to the needs of the U.S. government strategy and foresight community. They have a monthly newsletter filled with tons of information regarding trends they're following, employment information, new book releases, articles of interest, and a lot more. In addition, they have a monthly speaker series featuring prominent folks in the industry. You know, past guests have included Dr. Richard Lum of Vision Foresight Strategy, uh, Dr. Peter Skoblik of Event Horizon Strategies, Maria Bothwell of Toffler & Associates, a leading foresight firm, and many, many others. There's a sign-up button on the website and lots of other great information to find. Uh, due to COVID, uh, the meetings have all been moved virtual, but this really allows folks from around the world to dial in. They also have a presence on LinkedIn, so you can follow them there as well. It's a great way to keep up to date on the latest happenings in Foresight and get connected to a network of Foresight professionals in the U.S. government. So I really encourage all the listeners to sign up at ffcoi.org. I think that's really important because even though, you know, we say, unfortunately, due to COVID, you know, having to change to virtual, uh, not as much fun for for those of us that want to see each other in person and go through these things. But that really has increased the reach and the capability um, for folks to really participate in things like FFCOI and, and allows us to do a lot more. Um, just in thinking about the future, right now, you're kind of talking to future analysts and leaders. Um, they're, they're really in high school and middle school right now. What kind of advice would you give them and why would they want to work in this field? I think working in the foresight field is an opportunity to help shape a better tomorrow. It's a way to help organizations think more strategically beyond today's crises. And let's face it, I mean, foresight work is interesting and it's fun. It's also a new field, I think, with uh, increasing demand. You know, prior to 2020, futures work, I don't think, was popular. However, after the disruptions in 2020 and the clear heightened pace of technological advancements, more and more organizations and leaders are wanting some of this foresight stuff. And there are a few of us out there that have actually practiced it. I think that's a great point, again, because 
you know, we see, as you noted, of, of where your office sits within the Secret Service, as we think about all these industries impacted by the future, this isn't something that's just, oh, this is military technology or, oh, this is limited to just the digital type workforce. Uh, every single industry from agriculture, supply chains, everything else is going to be affected. And so we all have to start embracing and thinking about the future. Um, and I like the point you made before, too, about foresight not not being uh, just predictive of, uh, okay, this event will happen in 2022. Um, we have to start thinking about alternative futures. Uh, and I know in Mad Sci, we always say we're trying to describe the future, not to predict the future. And we need to have an understanding of all the factors that can impact that. So I really appreciate all that input. Uh, we're going to transition to our rapid fire questions, but take your time on these. So what we like to ask all our guests just to get to know them a little bit better. What technology or trend keeps you up at night? So would it be okay if I listed three? I have a top three. For you, we can make that exception. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So my first would be cybersecurity. You know, recently Forbes published three key cybersecurity trends to know for 2021. And I really couldn't agree more. Uh, the first was expanding cyber attack surface, uh, like remote work, internet of things, et cetera. Uh, ransomware is a cyber weapon of choice and threats to critical infrastructure. So cybersecurity. Uh, next, it would have to be disinformation. In June, national security expert Duan Lee was our guest strategy speaker at our Secret Service speaker series. And of course, he's also been a past mad scientist guest. And his work is just exceptional. And I really encourage all of your listeners to check out his mad scientist information warfare convergence episode with you guys. If they haven't already heard it, it's really fantastic. So disinformation is the second one. And then third, rounding out the list would be biosecurity and biological warfare. As you know, um, before Secret Service, I spent just shy of 10 years at the Defense Threat Reduction Agency. Uh, whose mission is to counter weapons of mass destruction. And I can say that the one that scares me the most is the advancement of biological weapons. So cybersecurity, disinformation, and biological warfare. Well, we always appreciate some promotion on the pro podcast. Um, we we loved having Duan Lee. Uh, anybody that's interested can always check out. We had an entire series on weaponization and information last year uh, and has be become such a critical piece, not only of warfare, just overall in the operational environment and how we think about the world around us. Um, so what is something most people would not know about you? So you know that old saying, six degrees of Kevin Bacon? Well, I met Kevin Bacon. It's true. I've got the picture to prove it. Somehow I talked my way backstage at the Birchmere after a Bacon Brothers concert. And so now the two of you are within six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm super glad we could finally get a Kevin Bacon mention on this podcast. It's gone far too long without one. Philadelphia native, by the way. Um, so if you just want to send us that picture for verification, we'll we'll let the, the audience know after we get it that this is truthful. We'll make sure we get the picture up on the uh, LinkedIn uh, page for Mad Scientist. Uh, so since we're talking Kevin Bacon and actors, one of Matt and I's favorite questions is, uh, what is your favorite movie? That's easy. Remember the Titans. Incredibly well done. One of the best movies about leadership and teamwork that I've ever seen. General Funk is going to be very happy to hear that. He loves that movie. Uh, uses clips on it to talk about leadership and teamwork. So I, I just love that you picked that one. So Robin, do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners and anything you want to get out to everybody? 
that, you know, since we're talking about foresight, I'd like to end with a quote from the great futurist Alvin Toffler. And he said, if you don't have the strategy, you're part of someone else's strategy. Wise words. And uh, I want to thank Robin for being here today and talking with us about foresight. Uh, We learned a lot and we're excited to get this out to you. So Robin, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks, Robin. Matt, Luke, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Convergence. I'd like to thank our guest, Ms. Robin Champ, Chief of the Enterprise Strategy Division at the U.S. Secret Service. You can connect with Mad Scientist through Twitter at ArmyMadSci, and don't forget to subscribe to our blog, The Mad Scientist Laboratory, at madsciblog.tradoc.army.mil. Finally, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider giving us a rating or review on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you accessed it. This feedback helps us to improve future episodes of The Convergence and allows us to reach a bigger and broader audience.